Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Hello guys, welcome to episode 4. We are your hosts, I am Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jennifer. How are you guys doing? Episode 4. Wow. I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm really digging that whole women doing the world thing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so it's true, you know. <laughs> it very much is. Very much is. So, what's the chisme de la semana? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let me start. Um, chisme de la semana is, um, for me, it's Rogue One, guys. I'm excited to watch this movie. Hey. It's another uh, uh, woman in the lead. Hopefully, we can get action figures right away. And <laughs> not, <laughs> have not have to, to create a hashtag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And um, I actually have tickets for December 15th at 10.30. Um, I'm really excited. We're going to go with my nephew and uh, my brother. He bought the tickets, so that's uh, that's it for me. That's my cheese That's that's it for me. I'm like really excited about this. I can't wait. You're a huge Star Wars fan. Uh, yes, uh, I remember watching uh, Episode One. Um, we actually only got tickets because it was such a hot ticket. We got tickets for 3 a.m. Oh my Whoa. goodness! 3 a.m. at the um, Arcolite Theater in Hollywood. And uh, but we went early because there was going to be a stormtrooper march on Hollywood Boulevard. Oh wow! Yes. Oh, at so three a.m. No, no, the <laughs> march was going to be like around seven o'clock. Um, a.m. No, in the p.m. <laughs> 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 and so after work, we drove over there. Uh, we saw the march and we saw the lightsaber uh, duel, and then we had nowhere to go. So we were pretty much so stuck just hung out all yeah. night. Yeah, wow. we actually um, towards the end of. Right before three, uh, we actually took a nap in the car, and then uh, when we got out, it was already time to go to work, so we just drove home, took showers, and went to work. Wow. wow. That was the most hardcore. Dedication. Yeah, that was the most hardcore. And did you feel like it was worth it? <laughs> yeah, so you said it was episode one? <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, That's the first prequel, right? Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, uh, now... Maybe not so much, but because it was a lot of group of people. Yeah. Oh, the hype, up, the hype, the hype. Yeah, at we, the in the moment. We actually got to see um, not Rage Against the Machine. Um, the one they the band. I want to say Stone Roses, but it's not. You guys are gonna totally hate me. But anyway, I saw <laughs> that. I saw that band, um, and um, because they were doing a, a Jimmy Kimmel, I guess live. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. So we were able to like walk up to Hollywood Boulevard and then just stick around for the show. So that was, you know, it was just kind of a, a full experience. Yeah, it was yeah. really a, kind of an adventure. Yeah. So even if the movie kind of sucked, I don't regret doing that. Right. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, that's cool. Even though it was really painful yeah. to go to work right <laughs> after. Yeah. So, Jen, what's your chisme de la semana? My chisme de la semana is, what was that that I just, <laughs> <laughs> I just slurred my words? Uh, my chisme de la semana actually is a shout-out to the Deadpool um creators, directors, everybody who worked for it because they just got nominated for the Golden Globes as a best motion picture in a, a musical or comedy. And shout out to Ryan Reynolds who got nominated as a best actor in a motion picture, musical or comedy. I so think that is amazing. Yeah, yeah definitely. For a movie that um, had 
so much ups and downs, so many ups and downs, and just uh, all of the behind the scenes that was um, people were saying that there were problems and stuff, and then the R rating, yeah. and people thought on the one hand that that wasn't going to work, and on the other hand they wanted it. Uh-huh. Um, I just, and obviously having seen it, um, I think it's totally deserved, but also I'm super shocked that um, the mainstream, uh, what is the Golden Globe? No, it's, it's a, a, it's a, a, a European, or it's a... No, it's, a, it's in the Americas, and it's oh, also okay. referred to as the Critics' Choice Award. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. okay. So it's just the fact that critics, like people who have been yes. in this industry for a long time, nominated this movie. Yes. That's like, uh, that's just because like superheroes movies don't usually get nominated right. because usually there's a lot of big money, big budget, and uh, and and some of y'all might hate the I hate this, but there's not very well character development because there's these characters have already been are set and done in their ways and everybody kind of knows who they are. Yeah. Right, right. But I think that the fact that they were able to do this with Deadpool that it that besides like the drama and everything that went in the actual struggle between the director, the actor with their own studio. Oh. So, any luck winning Gita back? I tried to hold on tight, Mr. Pool, but Pandhu is more craftier and handsomer than me. Well, I think you're pretty darn cute. Uh, that and they get they got they got acknowledged. That's um, that's amazing. I think it's a uh, it is amazing. I think it's very well deserved. I loved the movie. I love Deadpool. Same. And I yes. I really um, I give uh, Ryan Reynolds lots of props for um, really standing uh, his ground and sticking to his guns for um, all the creative uh, decisions that he made with this movie because he was such a Deadpool fan. Yeah, and just like kudos to the fact that he was able to turn that character around so well after that god awful introduction in Wolverine Origins. <laughs> oh, like, oh god, like I that th- oh yeah, yes, I totally forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, totally everybody right. forgot about it yeah. because they wanted to delete it from their mind. You know, honestly, I didn't even. <laughs> know that that's who that character was supposed to be. I had to go yeah. back and rewatch it and even rewatching it and knowing that I was like, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was horrible. It was really bad. I mean, a lot of people were disappointed. I know my brother was just like, oh, I can't believe they did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, to be the same person that plays that and brings it around, like you said, I'm like, that. Yeah. That's a freaking special commendation right there. Yeah. I mean, you're doing mm-hmm. the Lord's work. <laughs> It's funny considering who Deadpool is and what he does. That's funny. <laughs> but, I mean, that's that's a real merit. I mean, to actually turn that around yeah. and, and mm-hmm. be nominated for the for the Golden Globes and um, creating such a huge fan base after f- messing up the character to begin with. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's some talent right there. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, all the luck in the world. Um, it, it might be a long shot, but um, my, uh, my my hopes all are the high. Praise, yeah, <laughs> my hopes are high. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so my chisme de la semana uh, came to me literally this morning. A friend of mine posted a link on his Facebook page that caught my eye. Uh, he posted a link to a website called womenwhodraw.com. And uh, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. I clicked on the link, and um, there is um, 
basically an open directory of female professional illustrators, artists, and cartoonists who take freelance work. So this is a one-stop shop for you if you're looking uh, for a female uh, artist to work on your project or, uh, you know, comic book or if you have some kind of art stuff that you want to get done anywhere from like, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, business cards or having commissions done. Um, it's super cool. I checked it out. Um, it was created by a group of women uh, artists in an effort, uh, it, it said on the website, in an effort to cre increase the visibility of female illustrators, female illustrators of color, and LGBTQ+, and other minority groups of female illustrators. Um, it's really super cool, and one of the things that I really thought was uh, amazing that they do is that they have different categories that um, you can search by. So if you're looking for a specific type of, um, of, of uh, illustrator who might have a specific background that you want to be prominent in your project, you can search by women who, um, by their race and ethnicity, mm -hmm. um, you can search by their location. So if you want to specifically have a, a, female, a, a creator who is from the West Coast or the East Coast, um, you can choose, uh, you can select and search by religion um, and also by orientation. So I thought that was really cool. Um, they uh, have quite a few women on there. Um, so far, there's eight Hispanic Latinas on Ooh, there. Uh, so I uh, definitely want to check them out and uh, see what they do. But that was um, that was my cheese of the semana, and I thought it fit in really, um, really awesomely with um, the topic that we're going to be talking about today. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, also, what we're doing this uh, segment is uh, we are actually uh, having um, a drink today. It's from the brewery. It's a local brewery here in L.A., and we're having four, uh, nine ladies dancing. So what do you guys rate this? This beer. Just Ooh, wait, what's so our rating scale? Is, are, are, we using, are, we, are we using the penis? Everybody tell me we're using the penis. Let's use the penis. All right. <laughs> for, for, okay, so for those of you who don't know, we have a board and there is a penis drawn on it. We don't have an actual dildo with us. <laughs> or that, that would be even more hilarious because then we'll do like flaccidity. <laughs> so there, there's actually other podcasts that um, that uh, record here in the studio, and they have this on the board here that they use for their rating for. Um, uh, they also drink beer, right? Oh, on yeah. There. yeah. Yeah. So this is their this is their rating scale. There is. <laughs> so just just to describe it a little bit, um, um, initial is sort of like a, the chub. You know, yeah. Like <laughs> the partial is like. You know, you're getting a little bit more excited. And then the full-on is you're completely erect. But then they had the rigid, which is the Super Saiyan, and that's when you're, like, teenage boner style, you know. <laughs> so um, that's the rating system. <clears throat> and I guess we're incorporated into ours. So, Kristen, what do you think about this year? I really like it a lot. I, I really like um, the brewery, which the, the brewery is uh, spelled B-R-U-E-R-Y. Um, and it, where it's here in L.A. Do you know specifically where it's located? Um, it says Orange County, California. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, I've never physically been there, but I've... Uh, I've had uh, their beer many different places on tap uh, here in the local Torrance area where I live. And um, they have quite a few that I really, really like. This one is, um, you said it was more, it was an ale, 
and it's more of like of an amber red ale. It tastes like the the flavors are very prominent. Um, read off what you said that was in there. Um, it has cacao nibs, uh, vanilla, coffee, and lactose added. Um, it's it's um it has a nice aroma, I think. Yes, it's it. Oh yeah, it smells absolutely lovely. Yeah. and nine ladies dancing kind of brings up to me like visions of uh, like uh, the Nutcracker mm-hmm. and uh, other like holiday um, themes, and that's definitely what I get when I when I uh, smell it. it. It's very just the uh, the smells are very like it reminds me of. Um, when my my mom used to um, during the holidays, she would um, boil canela, mm-hmm. and it would just mm-hmm. really fill the house up. And that smell to this day reminds me of the holidays. And this isn't like a, a cinnamony smell, but it definitely smells like holidays to me. So mm-hmm. um, it was really good. I really enjoyed it, um, and I would say I would give it a full. Yeah, I actually agree with you. I think a full is a pretty pretty spot on. It's an eleven point three percent. Holy moly! But the cool thing about that is I didn't want to let you guys know because you don't actually taste it, so it's not yeah. like a harsh beer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a real mellow kind of like I, I don't know. It just kind of uh, rolls off the tongue. I think it's it's, it's pretty good. So I'm, it is uh, pretty good. I'm also giving it a full. Okay, cool. Uh, I am not as experienced with beer as my co-hosts. But it is some of the best beer I've ever had. Um, <laughs> so, um, because I know there's probably uh, even more delicious beer out there, mm-hmm. I'm all going to give it a full <laughs> instead of a regular. And so. it'll be your lifelong journey to find those beers. Yep. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm looking for the rigid beers, the Super Saiyan beers. Exactly. Recommend Wait, them to us, you guys. For um, me, the non uh, whatever, is it manga? <laughs> where, where does Super Saiyan come from? Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> uh, Super Saiyan comes from the cartoon and uh, manga uh, story of uh, Dragon Ball Z. Oh, okay. And Super Saiyan is like when they kind of um, harnessed all their energy, and sometimes they even ask for the world to uh, borrow some energy, and then they just like go Super Saiyan where they like bulk up. And their hair turns to gold, and then there's this like halo around their entire body, oh. and it, it sounds really cool. Okay. <laughs> That's the way I'm describing it. But yeah, it basically means like, like. Super ultimate mode. Gotcha. Like, yeah, okay. Like you, like there's no limit to how powerful you can get. Gotcha. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in, in in the cartoon, if you're familiar, it always surprises you what kind of energy levels they can. Yeah, it's over nine thousand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's iconic. Uh, uh, props to Vegeta for actually skipping a level, but. <laughs> But anyways, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, but maybe we'll, we will, like, uh, show you like, a little clip so just so you can okay. kind of find out what yeah. the Super Saiyan level is. <laughs> but, um, well, with your description and your um, audio examples, I'm even, I'm laughing at the actual picture of, of the, the hair on top of the, of the head of the, of the penis here on our board. Uh, it's, uh, it's definitely Super Saiyan. <laughs> I like that. I like uh, that. 
Uh, so you guys, um, I don't know if you guys have heard, but um, the trailer for Spider-Man Homecoming has come out. Yes. 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 So this movie is scheduled to come out in theaters on 7-7-17, which I like, 7-7-7. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. <laughs> it's a nice sequence. Um, so we're going to cut for a bit and watch the trailer. What's guys? Wait a minute. You guys aren't the real Avengers. I can tell Hulk gives it away. Okay, I do have a quick question though. Um, the his friend is it supposed to be Gank, or is it a new char- another different character? I pronounce it Ganka in my head when I read it. So oh, okay. I'm gonna go with that. All right, but Ganka. that's what I thought. I, I I absolutely thought that, and I thought right. I read somewhere that that's who it was going to be. I mean, that is a Miles Morales um, character, that's what I was say, that, um, so they are kind of meshing. But um, I I love the idea of uh, of that character being uh, there and kind of being his like his, his sidekick in a sense of not out there obviously fighting crime, but in high school because he's he's a teenager mm-hmm. and that teenagers have friends. Exactly. And teenagers, friends are their number one priority. That is their, um, uh, um, what do you call it, Um, psychologically, social psychology, uh, what am I trying to say? But uh, (laughs) (laughs) the the peer group is the most important thing to a teenager. And so the fact that they have... um, a character that is taking that role uh, in his life and in this period of his time where he is uh, developing his persona as Spider-Man, I think is like a really awesome plot point. And um, i assuming it's Ganke just from his visually what he looks like. He's uh, Asian. He is overweight. Um, I, that's what my assumption is, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I love the trailer. But oh. I'm gonna. I'm always the voice of dissent, you guys. <laughs> okay, if if it is Gonke, I'm a bit bitter, cause like it like. Then I'm, I'm are you gonna say cause then it should be Miles? Then it should be Miles, yeah. cause like I'm I'm glad that they included him if it is him. Yeah. Or even if it isn't him, if it's some new character, it at least has basis in him. Yeah. So I'm j- I'm glad they included him. I love the fact that they uh, that they did. But um, I'm just I'm just so I'm just a little bitter because I love Miles Morales. I do too. And uh, he he is my son. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but I uh, I think like as I said before, I'm happy about this Spider-Man. I really do like it. I love what they've presented. However, they would have literally reduced me to tears if it had been Miles and if yeah. that would have been Miles like I would have I would have cried at the trailer yeah. as it is um, I'm I'm excited to go see it um, uh, but I'm, that that little bit of bitterness is still there I love Miles too um, mm-hmm. I I do think what is this a third reboot uh, <laughs> it's a, it is uh, yeah it's the third reboot and it is the uh, sixth Spider-Man movie okay so I do think that um, on on this third and sixth movie uh, of theirs, that it kind of would have been pretty awesome for them to go that whole new direction mm-hmm. and make it a Miles Morales movie. However, yeah. Miles Morales is on nobody's radar who doesn't read comics. That's and true. the movie creators, um, the uh, studio people... 
Um, they want the familiarity. Yeah, they, they want, want familiar. Yeah, they want familiarity, and they want. Um, and Spider Man is a huge known character, but as Peter Parker. As, yeah, it's true because that's what that's who the cartoon is about. The older cartoons. Yeah, it, it's true. But uh, at the same time, like uh, Deadpool just got nominated for a Golden Globe, uh, <laughs> and they literally revolutionized how you make a superhero movie. Yeah, and I'm just like, um. <clears throat> also, um, uh, when Deadpool came out, it is to date the highest grossing yeah. rated R movie. Yeah, as well as just like it it made. It beat the Avengers in profit. The wow. original Avengers. Wow. Is that, and people don't seem to realize this, that this movie made a lot of money. Yeah. And that's because it basically went in the face of the studio. And, and it's just like, you, it's just going to say that creativity and, you know, directors and actors, you know, yeah. when they take that chance and they made money. But, um, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let, me, let me just but sip this beer. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's absolutely true. I mean, it, they they went against like the the current of of how um, movie studios um, they fix it so that the most of the populace agrees with the characters yeah. and um, likes what they see, like what they did with uh, Doctor Strange and the mm-hmm. um, the Ancient One. I I still, you know what? I watched that movie and I couldn't get past that because of the conversation we had. Um, <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I, and I did like it, but that part alone was like, ugh, it's, it's very true. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm really excited about this movie, and um, I wish. Do you think that um, that's why Old Man Logan is going to be rated R? Was because Deadpool kind of like set the bar? Yeah, definitely. I definitely think that this, this is. I honestly think it's the only reason Hugh Jackman agreed to make another yeah. Wolverine movie was because they said it was going to be rated mean, R. I mean. Wolverine is a rated R character. Absolutely. And um, I think that to do justice to the character, to the Wolverine character, to the Old Man Logan character, you have to be able to do and say certain things. Mm -hmm. And so I think that rated that R rating is going to afford the movie um, a lot of creative um, pathways that mm-hmm. having a lower rating would not. Exactly. No, and you know, um, uh, the fact that Logan is a rated R movie is also a miracle in itself, not only because of Deadpool, but they, um, apparently Fox wasn't even positive to idea, and, and they told Hugh Jackman that he was going to have to take a pay cut to make the movie. Really? Wow. And Hugh Jackman said, yeah. Uh, I want I want this to be a rated R movie, and he took a pay cut. He's being paid less to make this movie. Hmm. I mean, he's still getting paid a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it's just like when you think about it, like who like who does that? Like they 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 want to stick to this 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 formula that they think will work. Yeah. And look, without without trying, you're never gonna do anything, and people will get tired. I'm getting tired, and yeah. I love Marvel. Yeah. As it is, uh, th- what I do like about it is the fact that they call it Homecoming, mm-hmm. Spider-Man, mm-hmm. Homecoming, because for one, Marvel finally has their hand right. on Spider-Man, yeah. so it's just Spider-Man is coming home, so oh, it's a play true. on that. Yeah. But, and also the fact that it is putting into face the fact that he is a teenager. Right. And yes. that's what I, that's yes. what I love Andrew Garfield, like... I do yes. too. Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> like um, like the coolest, the coolest, and um, uh, but he was just nominated too for a Golden Globe. Yes, he was. Um, um, and um, it's just I really like the fact that 
he is he's a teenager in this that so you can tell from his voice to his look and everything he's yes I, mean, yes, I, I hate mm-hmm. to interrupt you but even the soundtrack in the background it's even like more youthful music not like mm-hmm. for instance how we saw Iron Man and there was like Iron Maiden and all this other music that was like a little bit dated this is more like new music as well like contemporary music that is on the air right now so I really like how they uh, kind of marry that with the character. Mm-hmm. I like that. And being a teenager is a huge part of the Spider-Man character. Mm-hmm. Definitely, mm-hmm. the fact that he was he was he was he is Marvel. He is one of he he's the equivalent of Robin to the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. Um, like um, uh, Batman has Robin. Uh, well, no, DC has Robin, and Marvel has Spider-Man. That's mm-hmm. how that's how they get the young readers to come in. He's I know uh, the first I've ever heard of Marvel as a kid was because of Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and I thought he was the coolest. And uh, it's just uh, he's <laughs> he's the gateway character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually agree with that because um, my nephew, who's nine, his favorite character is Sp- Spider-Man and has been for like three years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of his character, the one that he identifies with because of the cartoons and um, so yeah. I, yeah. You know. in, in the comic books, his his quippiness, uh, his like his, his the way he jokes around and and his banter back and forth with not only his the other heroes but with the actual villains mm-hmm. that he's uh, that he's chasing and trying to capture is is such a uh, it's a such a kid thing a kid thing yeah, yeah. such a teen thing and um, the fact that they've already highlighted that and and point and pointed that out in part of Civil War I think is what made a lot of fans super excited to see that small little section mm-hmm. of him in that movie because that was Spider-Man absolutely yeah. and absolutely. not just only that I really love the fact that and then the, the internet was all up, all up in arms about it but I'm, I love the fact that they uh, casted um, uh, they casted people who teenagers know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I forget his name because <laughs> as well he, my little sister knows who he is. The actor, the actor. Oh, okay. She knows who she knows who he is, and and she's she's fifteen and everything, and she was so excited because uh. he apparently comes out in something that she watches. Uh, <laughs> something somewhere, yeah. something somehow. somewhere, <laughs> and Zendaya, the um, yes, uh-huh. like uh, and um, what's her character? She's Mary Jane. She is. She's I a- saw the trailer and I thought that has to be a Mary Jane character, but I literally in my mind thought, no, they wouldn't have the balls to do that. They did, and that's wow. What was, yeah, that's, what, okay. that's why I was. That's why I, I take was, it back. Yeah, that's why I'm just. That's why I'm so still so excited. Yeah, that she she's Mary Jane. She's like one of the most iconic like yeah. love interests yeah. ever. Absolutely. Who doesn't die? Because yeah. uh, <laughs> um, I'm I um I love Gwen Stacy. Spoiler I love her so much. <laughs> but um. um and I I love Mary Jane and I love the fact that they cast Zendaya because she's very recognizable, yes, especially to a lot of kids. Yes, a lot of kids because she's come out. She has her own Disney Channel TV mm-hmm. show and also she's like super active on Twitter and yeah. like and everything. So kids, kids, teenagers, like they know who she is. They they know. Uh, they know she's a familiar face, and now she's been cast as Mary Jane yeah. Watson. Not some, like, I love Emma Stone and everything, but she never had 
the teenager look that they were trying to go for yeah, that's and true. everything. Uh, and so uh, I'm just really glad that they that they they're casting kids for this. Well, they're not kids anymore, technically speaking. A lot of them are 18, but uh, they're yeah. babies. To me, yeah. that's a kid. Yeah. <laughs> to me, they look like they're 12. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Just like, I'm not that older than them. I'm 22. Yeah. But even to me, I'm just like, oh, they just got out of high school. <laughs> they're babies. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, alternately, I could be their grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's... Oh my God, that's a little scary, but yes, I, I can see that. Yeah. Well, yes, uh, so 7-7-17, uh, look for Spider-Man Homecoming. We will all be there. Um, Jen and Sarah will probably be at the midnight showing. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. uh, midnight showing is always. Absolutely. We're driving <laughs> the kid with us, and we're going to clap and cheer, and it's going to be great. I'm going for the I'm going aiming for the earlier ones because usually, not it's not that they have less people, but uh, it's a little bit more subdued. I guess I saw Doctor Strange at an eleven o'clock showing and mm-hmm. it was amazing. Hey. The kids, there was no kids there. Uh-huh. It was all adults. We were we all were excited to see the movie, um, and it, there was no like crazy ruckus going on in the background. Yeah, exactly. uh, so yeah. Precisely. I love it. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm definitely gonna go see it. Um, I'm I am gonna bring my siblings with me, but they know how to behave. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also we work at, at a comic book store, and I know somebody's gonna be yes. walking up in there talking spoilers yes. and everything. Yep, absolutely. So I yes. might as well watch it on the first day. So I'd be like. Bring it. I know everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Kristen, what are we reviewing today? Today, we are, we've, uh, the last uh, books that we've done, the first three books we did, we focused on Latino creators and uh, artists. And um, we decided to, um, because part of Comadre C Comics um, is not just highlighting uh, Latino creators, but also Latinoing, <laughs> highlighting, <laughs> also highlighting female creators. Um, so we wanted to um, kind of venture off into our other um, uh, topic this week and we are highlighting uh, the trade paperback the first paperback for Bitch Planet written by Callie Sue DeConnick and uh, illustrated by Valentine was it De what's his Delandro Delandro yes mm-hmm. um, so how how did you have you all read uh, Bitch Planet in single issues before the trade came? Out? I did. Yes, yes. Um, I did not start reading Bitch Planet until I saw it um, on your Facebook feed. Ah, yes. Um, I saw you with your non-compliant shirt. Yes, and um, I was like, "What is this? <laughs> what uh-huh. is this NC? What does it stand for?" And then um, I found out that it was Bitch Planet, so I went ahead and then just bought um, uh, um, virtual. 
Virtual. Digital. Digital. Yeah. Sorry, I keep saying virtual. <laughs> <laughs> like I stepped in and I <laughs> No, I bought it digitally uh, on Comixology, and um, I started reading it, and it was really good. But some of the splash pages were so exceptional that I went ahead and bought the trade paperback. Wow. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Bitch Planet came out about a month after I started working at a comic book shop. And when I first saw it, I mean, it it was, um, it's the the. Uh, issue number one is the cover that is on the trade paperback where it is the silhouette of a female um, that has both of her hands raised into the air flipping the bird off to As, uh, yeah. to the uh, the reader to the person looking at the book and then it just says bitch planet yeah and mm-hmm. I literally thought it was a joke I was I posted That's what it, I thought I posted on Facebook and I'm like haha you need to read this I bet you really want to read this haha and um, I didn't think anything about it Mm-hmm. after and I took it home because at the time I was uh, trying to uh, read all the number ones to kind of uh, educate myself on the new comics coming out and I took it home and read it and I was blown away. I was blown away by um, the the storyline, the introduction to characters and to the obvious um the 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 obvious um i guess underlying message of the book is it really underlying <laughs> with 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 the title like uh, are you woman enough to survive <laughs> bitch planet girl gangs caged <laughs> and enraged <laughs> Yeah, like when I saw it, um, I was introduced by your non-compliant shirt. Uh-huh. So for me, I was like, non-compliant? So that was kind of my gateway into the title, Bitch Planet. Yes. So for me, I almost thought, hmm, is this going to be like a death match kind of thing, you know? Uh, and then I read it, and I was like really blown away. Um, yeah. I actually started reading it, but did not read the uh, the letters um, that the uh, the the writer wrote to the reader, and I didn't read the uh, essays. Oh, uh-huh. So I just uh-huh. read it through just the, the story itself, and it blew me away. But then you mentioned that there were those um, essays. Yes, the uh-huh. math matter. So I actually went back and read them, and it blew me away to the like even more. Oh, <laughs> and then uh, rereading, because I read it three times. So reading it a third time, I even saw more things that I missed the oh, first okay. two times. Yeah. So this is a book, ladies and gentlemen, that you can reread over and over again, and you will not get tired of it. So something I want to highlight to you um, before we kind of get into a little bit more of the book um, is where Bitch Planet came from, where the idea came from, and um, why Callie Sue DeConnick wrote this book. Um, I I think it was Emerald City um, Comic Convention in um, Seattle that I went to that I uh, I went to a panel that. I believe was called non-compliant. <laughs> no <laughs> um, way. But really? I know I've uh, I've heard Kelly Sue say uh, tell this story, and I've also read it in interviews. But um, for those of you who aren't aware, Kelly Sue DeConnick is actually has uh, worked on uh, the Captain Marvel um, title for quite some time. I don't know the the years that she was on it, but she she took it over, and one of the first things that she did was change um, was change Carol Danvers' uh, costume from the uh, 
from the leotard and scarf wrapped around her waist that she used to wear when she was Ms. Marvel to an actual flight suit because Carol Danvers, for those of you that might not know, is a colonel in the Air Force. And uh, so she changed her to a colonel-esque time um, uniform, uh, a uniform worthy of a colonel in the Air Force. And uh, she got a lot of um, of, uh, pushback from uh, a lot of fans who were Ms. Marvel fans <laughs> and <laughs> Captain Marvel fans um, and uh, basically told her, um, what are you doing changing our character? What are you doing? We don't need your angry feminist agenda in our comic. Wow. And because she changed her costume. Um And so Kelly Sue was like, wait, what? This isn't even Angry Feminist Agenda. But you know what? I'll fucking show show you Angry Feminist Agenda. And that is where the um, idea of Bitch Planet was born. And that Mm -hmm. is the story that I tell women who come into the comic book shop. And I ask them, hey, are you reading Bitch Planet? (laughs) And when they tell me no, um, I actually, there is um, an an image first um, reprint of Bitch Planet number one, um, and what that means is that Image, the publishing company, reprints um, number ones of a lot of their titles and offers them for one dollar. Mm-hmm. So um, wow. I often uh, order uh, Bitch Planet Image First number one and just have them in the store and give them to women for free and say wow. read this book and come mm-hmm. back and talk to me um, and almost 100% of the time they come back and they buy the trade um, but uh, I tell them that story uh, I tell them that story about why Kelly Sue wrote the book and I give them the number one and I am just uh, a all about Bitch Planet and I uh, I try to get as many women reading the book as I can you know what? Um, and and I, I love that you do that because um, actually um, reading the story, it's a great story. It's well written. It has a lot of wonderful points and um, great art. But the, the the including of the essays, I think, really sets the tone for the for where the the um, the writer is going with this and. Um, I really find that the essays are so not helpful, but so in, they enrich me and and teach me. Yeah. And even when I don't know certain words, I'll look them up and I'll and I'll learn them. So it's it's a great opportunity to to get your hands on information that you might have not gotten your hands on otherwise. Yeah. Well, and before we mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about the essays, because I do think that they're so super important uh, and uh, fall right in line with the the theme and the tone of the book um let's talk a little bit about just what the book is about uh jen do you want to kind of give a a brief little um overview of what bitch planet is about so bitch planet the premise is basically uh in this not so so alternate future (laughs) (laughs) maybe not so distant future maybe not so alternate world um women uh, the patriarchal society has completely gone to another level, and uh, if women are not compliant to the whims and regulations of this um, um, of this male-dominated society, they are cast out of the earth and yep. sent to Bitch Planet, which is a prison 
on literally another planet. And going further off that, that is how the book opens, mm-hmm. is with, uh, we get a cast yes. of about six, seven women. Yeah. Uh, who, uh, I, I have to read this because I, I really do kind of love that opening. Uh, and it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Mother Earth, we used to say, before we understood. Before we came to know the heavens, to live here, and to feel her warm embrace. Space is the mother who receives us, you see. Earth is the father, and your father has cast you out. For your trespasses, your gluttony, your pride, your weakness, and your wickedness are such that you are beyond correction or castigation. Like a cancer, you must be excised from the world that bore you, for the well-being of us all, lest you spread, lest your sickness spread. I know, that was such a powerful opening, yeah. and that just sets the tone for the rest of it. That is, that is, that is the book right there. If women don't fit this arbitrary description of what is acceptable, they are literally kicked out of the earth so that they can be corrected or if not they can't be corrected they stay there yeah and um for the first issue um uh, the opening scene is basically oh 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 i guess a white woman has been sent to bitch planet marianne collins marianne collins uh and she is adamant that she does not uh belong there and uh and you can see that she's very dedicated to her husband, that she is, uh, that if you were to take any description, she is, she's a dedicated wife and mother. Mm-hmm. However, because the husband, um, basically grew tired of her, uh, she was sent to Bitch Planet. He actually pulled money out of savings to take care of that situation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Of her, his wife. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to spoil what it is, but it is, uh, I, I'm going to put it lightly and say that if people had the access to do it, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, that um, twist, the mm-hmm. plot twist in that first issue was really what pulled me in. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. When I, agree. I was reading it and uh, you you read um, from you read from the husband's viewpoint as you are also reading Marion's viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And you think that the conversation and what he is saying is going one way. Mm-hmm. And at the end with the reveal, you're like, oh, my God. And it was like that right mm-hmm. there to me was like what pulled me into this and made me want to continue to read. Mm-hmm. And it was just it's. It's such a powerful book, I think, that um, that really kind of highlights just how close our society is to something like that. Like, it's, it wouldn't be surprising. And the fact that in some places, this does happen. Yeah, um, yeah. To put emphasis on this, this when, I was, uh, when I was rereading this, I was absolutely brutally reminded of Memoirs from a Women's Prison by Nawal el-Sadawi, mm-hmm. who is an Egyptian uh, female author who was imprisoned uh, by um, by the previous president who passed away. 
uh, I forget his name, um, but the fact that he he passed away, and then uh, the 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 revolution was trying to get rid of the previous uh, basically uh, basically she was imprisoned by the previous uh, president uh-huh. of uh, of Egypt uh, for her political writings, for her oh, outspokenness, yeah. for her um, basically. Um, for just uh, being outspoken about what democracy is. Mm-hmm. And he imprisoned her uh, along with uh, many other women who were doctors, who were who were basically very prominent. But not only did he imprison them, he also imprisoned religious women. Uh, and um, uh, Sadawi writes about this, that the fact that, that uh, ultra-liberal and ultra-conservative were imprisoned under mm-hmm. under his rule, mm-hmm. and uh, it was I was just brutally reminded uh, of this because that's what you see in Bleach Planet is too. This is not just yeah co- reserved for what people would think as like oh only like liberal women right are like this only like uh like loose woman well, wicked women no even even very kind of even uh, a, a meek housewife like Marianne yeah. Collins yes. Because um, she didn't fit the uh, what the husband's uh, perception of like a happy life would be, mm-hmm. and that only reminds me of those men who accuse their wives of um, infidelity to get stoned by the yeah. village, yeah, because yeah. they want to trade up. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. um, and it's happening now. We don't have to say in the alternate distant future. No, yeah, no. the yeah. the alternate distant future part is just being sent to another planet. But this women have been uh, have been held to a different standard than men since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Sarah is uh, keeps referring to my uh, my non-compliant shirt, which is like um, it's kind of the the catchphrase um, of Bitch Planet that if you are if you're deemed non-compliant to the patriarchal um, uh, I guess rules and regulations, uh, then that's what gets you sent to. Uh, bitch planet and the back of the trade actually has um, all the all the ways that you could be non-compliant um, the back of the trade says are you non-compliant do you fit in your box are you too fat too thin too loud too shy too religious too secular too prudish too sexual too queer too black too brown too whatever it is they'll judge you for today then you just may belong on Bitch Planet. And I think that uh, I can very, very uh, uh, say with, with much conviction that I definitely would be considered non-compliant on many different levels. Oh, same <laughs> here. Like, I, as I, like, as I was reading, I'm just like, oh, man, I can fit into a lot of these, <laughs> like... Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite characters in the book uh, is a character called um, Penelope Roll. Penny, uh, and she goes by um, by the the term or by the moniker Penny Roll. Um, and it's uh, it's very interesting when you see the reasons why she is sent to Bitch Planet in the first place. One of them is that she has repeated citations. For aesthetic offenses. 
Yeah. She's not pretty to look at. She's not pretty to look at. As a matter of fact, she has a tattoo that that says, born big. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh Which I love. I want to tattoo that on myself now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, One of her other offenses is wanton obesity. Mm-hmm. So that gives you just an idea of why some of these women were chosen. She has other offenses too, um, but one of the things that I love about this book and what um, has really, um, uh, I guess, spoken to me on a personal level is the fact that some of the issues go uh, to the backstory of why and how these women were deemed noncompliant and sent to um, to Bitch Planet. And um, the reason why I say that it, it, it's personal for me is because I used to work for an organization that worked with girls involved in the juvenile justice system. And um, that was working with girls between the ages of 12 and uh, around 22 um, who were um, detained in probation camp. Um, anywhere from six months to two years at a time, um, or also in the community but on probation trying to prevent recidivism uh, going back to either uh, probation camp or juvenile hall. And for the most part, for most of society, all they saw was uh, these young women's offenses. They saw the crimes that they committed. But in working with them on a day-to-day basis and and speaking with them and learning about their history and learning about what they had to deal with um, in their very young lives, um, you can form empathy for what it was that they went through and how they got to a place in their life that they felt like committing that crime was the right choice for them. And that's how I feel when I read these backstories of the characters in uh, Bitch Planet. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that with Penny Roll, she, for whatever reason, we in, in this book, in the first trade, we don't find out why, but she's living with her grandmother. We don't know where her parents are. Um, and so... Uh, she and she was taken away from her grandmother at a very young age. She was nine years old, mm-hmm. and she was put into the system. Um, and that resonates with me very, very much because um, a majority of the girls that I worked with, in when, one way, shape, or form, were in the system before they even got to uh, probation camp or juvenile hall. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I and I actually had the opportunity to meet Kelly Sue um, at Emerald City, and I told her that, and I told her that um, a lot of the things that were written in here um, with the way that uh, a, a woman's uh, upbringing and past um, really affects her and um, uh, having to make decisions that gets them put into prison um, was a lot of the things that she wrote were, were so true to life of my experiences with the girls that I worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, just uh, Penny Roll's uh, backstory, um, just to um, let you guys know, um, <clears throat> the writer wrote um, in the book, because like, she actually writes to the readers um, in while you're reading through the issues, but she says that every third issue is going to be like a backstory on one of the inmates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for this uh, Penny Roll, um, she reminds me a lot of Precious. Yes. 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 Yeah. Uh-huh. Like she's put in the system at an early age, and she doesn't know anything else, and she's being told she's uncompliant. Um, the people that kind of are trying to help her out, like – as she's growing older and the kids pick on her mm-hmm. and um uh she 
they just repeatedly tell her that she doesn't look like anyone else and why doesn't her hair behave the way it's supposed to Mm -hmm. and uh, why does she pick fights and you know it just it's sad to be all by yourself trying to fight against all these people who think they they know what you should be yeah Mm -hmm. and and just to give a visual um penny roll is um I would she's she's a black woman and I would say she weighs anywhere between four and five hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Just yeah. based on how she's drawn. And she was um, when they, they flash back to her her childhood years, she's a big girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can see how um, and and why maybe other young kids might uh, pick on her or make fun of her pointing out her differences. So, yeah, I think that um, highlighting highlighting the um, backstory of the characters is really super important because it also it humanizes them, um, which was also something that I thought very strongly about with the girls that I worked with, mm-hmm. is that these girls were not just the crimes that they committed. They had families. They had lives outside of the juvenile justice system, mm-hmm. and they were human beings. And I think that um, the way that Kelly Sue uh, writes about the uh, the backstories of the characters in this book does that for the reader. It humanizes them for her. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, uh, um, not only that, it's just the, the reason I love Penny so much is the fact that they every inmate I'm going to assume based on the fact that uh, we did see this with some of the other characters every inmate is trying to put through some rehabilitation process quote unquote Mm -hmm. Um, um, and Penny is taken and she's like attached uh, like these uh, brainwave monitors and anything and she's she's giving a a very large screen and they're trying to make her feel bad about Mm -hmm. her image about how she looks and um, and basically, uh, what this machine is supposed to do is give the idealized yes. version of um, um of who she is, of who she wants to be. In some form, they're trying to say like, they're trying to say like, oh, this is who you could be, but you're not that. Right. And her idealized version, when she looks in that screen slash mirror, is herself. The way she looks. And yeah. That's the reason I love that issue so much is because that's where I wish I could be. Mm. Me that, too. My God, yes, absolutely. I agree I'm, with that. Yeah, I want to. I want to so badly just be able to look in the mirror and say I'm satisfied with what I with what I'm looking at. Can Can I mm. ask when you guys read that that part about the mirror, that creepy yeah. mirror mm-hmm. with the synopsis of your brain? Did you guys um, take a moment and think of what you would see in that mirror? I did. Me too. I did. I did. I, I did too. <laughs> and it's just uh, even even now that 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 image is uh, is very different from yeah. <laughs> right. If you had given it to me at fifteen, it would be a lot more different. Oh yeah. 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 And I mean, uh, I think we're slowly coming to realization that this is us and we love yeah. each other. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like and it's just I just really love that issue because it's it it's it's oh god! It it really put into focus that you should really love yourself. That that yeah. you can. That it's possible that no matter how you look like, how you act like, how what it is that you've done, um, 
you can still utterly and completely love yourself. That was mm-hmm. one of my favorite scenes in the book, um, mm-hmm. exactly for those reasons that you're saying, is that all her life you've she's had people putting her down, making fun of her, picking on her, um, really uh, trying to change her yeah. into somebody that she wasn't. There's, uh, Sarah, you alluded to a scene where there's like a, a headmistress um, at the school that she's at that is trying to um, press her hair out so that it's straight and mm-hmm. keeps saying, you know, your hair uh, would be so much more pretty if it would just be like everybody else's, mm-hmm. basically. And um, and so for the character to have experienced all of that in her lifetime and still when asked, who her true self is and who her idealized true self would be if she could change anything and be anything. And the fact that she looked into that mirror and she saw herself as she was was, like, so fucking powerful. Mm -hmm. Uh, That that alone was, like, yes. Yes. Because for for a moment Mm -hmm. when she looked away and was, like, you guys are crazy or she said something to that notion, but she wasn't looking at the mirror. I was, like, she's afraid. I, I... I felt as reading it, I'm like, she's afraid of yeah. looking in the mirror. But yeah. when she did and I saw her as herself, yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, you rock. And it was yeah. really cool, too, because um, what she says is, if it's broke, don't fix it. And that was what her grandmother used to tell her, the grandmother that she was ripped from when she was younger. Mm-hmm. And so I really, um, I really, really loved that scene i really love penny roll as um a character in the book and she be- she becomes a real integral part of the storyline mm-hmm. so um part of the storyline is that these um in this not too distant future um one of the things that it has become super popular on earth is this um this it's i when i read it and i think about it i see it as like a hunger Ga- hunger games esque type thing oh yes absolutely. um it's it's called the megaton um and basically um there's two teams that fight against each other and it can be made up of any number of people on both of the teams um but um, the the people on the team have to uh, add up to a, a thousand pounds. They can't go over um, a thousand pounds. So that's a thousand pounds per team. And so um, it's it's nicknamed Megaton. And um, the uh, I think the head of the prison or whatever gets this bright idea to create a team of the women from the prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all about money and um, raising the ratings and getting people to, uh, I guess, uh, interact. I don't know what that meant in the book, that the interactions were down. Um, but they wanted to somehow get people more excited about the Megaton because I guess uh, that viewings had been down. I guess the uh, the person who actually came up with the Megaton with the uh, women who were noncompliant was Father jo- Josephine. Uh, Joseph, yes, uh-huh. Josephine, and he. Um, I, I guess when you have people engaged, it's like people the watch the people that are watching, sort of like I guess the rating system of people that are watching at the time. Do you know what's funny? The first time I read this book and I read his name, I thought he was a priest. That's what I thought too. <laughs> Is he not a Wait, priest? He's no, not a priest. he's not a priest. What? He's just he's forcing people to call him father because. 
father is the male. It's like the 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 highest male status that you can have. What the, what fuck? the fuck? Yeah. I this thought he was a uh, religious No, he's like, not a priest. Uh, oh I, I'm, I'm on the internet too much because I was about to say, is it a daddy kink? Does the reason that he want people to call him that is because he wants them to call him daddy? I don't know. I wouldn't. I, I would not he, he, uh, discount he, that. But yeah, I, I don't think he's a, because he actually corrects people when they yes. try to talk to them. He goes, "No, call me father." No, it's a power thing. Yeah, it's a power thing. It's not a religious thing. And I didn't pick up on that the first time I read it. I, I when I reread it, I was like, "Oh my gosh." That makes total sense. Oh, my God. Wow, my mind is blown. I, I had no idea. I was still believing it was a religious thing. No. And um, just uh, on the whole, uh, talking about every uh, every third every third issue is going to be uh, related to a backstory and a character, um, one of the letters from the writer to the readers is saying that they're going to bring in a guest artist oh, yes. to do the uh-huh. art for the third issue on the backstories. And... Um, in, in that same letter, uh, she had said that they wanted to have um, uh, Penelope uh, have lost some weight during her backstory. Oh, uh-huh. That, uh, but they couldn't fit it into the whole story, but mm-hmm. it, it was going to reflect on how she lost herself for a moment. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, and I was like, dang, they should have done that because yeah. it sounds like it would have been so awesome. Ah, mm-hmm. interesting. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so... A little bit back to the plot, we kind of diverged oh, yeah. a little oh, bit. Sorry. No, I that's just, okay. I, I really wanted to. Say I that forgot that I, I was really talking about that. No, um, I was really, I was really blown back by by that. Yeah, that's that little point that yeah, you had. Yeah. Like, oh my god, that would have been awesome. So mm-hmm. the main character, uh, I'm not the main character because I feel like they're all they're so all main, main characters. characters. <laughs> but um, Kamal Kogo is like this woman who's just like so buff and she has combat training because it comes out and she uh, actually tries to save Marion from being killed and and uh, so when she does that it come it it comes uh, becomes apparent that she has training in some way shape or form Um, at this point we don't know why or how or what that is Mm -hmm. Um, but they approach her to put this team together and she doesn't want to do it she doesn't have want to have anything to do with it but one of the other uh, inmates the um, uh, I can't remember is it my the one whose father is going to be coming I can't remember her name Miko 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 uh, there's actually two people that approach her watching. Yeah, running. yeah, yeah. But her, the the young Asian girl, is the one I think that really changes her mind when she tells her about her relationship to the ship. M- Mako. Mako. Mm-hmm. Um. So um. So we follow now of um, Kam- Kamau. Um. I guess that's how you pronounce Let's it. It's called Cam. Cam. <laughs> She's putting together this team, and there's a plan that hatches around it, and they're training, and they're getting ready for the megaton that's going to be televised um, back onto Earth. And um, so that's kind of what the first uh, five issues follows and is about, and uh, it's just so amazing, the character development and the storyline and, and even the cliffhanger that happens. There is a cliffhanger at issue five. Yes, definitely. Um, I want to point out that uh, the art really works really well. Like when they are actually, one of my favorite ones was there where um, Cam is running 
and Violet comes up to her and runs beside her, and um, Penelope is right beside her trying to run too. Yes. And Penelope gets tired and stuff. Yes. So then she gets you see okay so that there's a conversation. I love this. Yes, there's a conversation <laughs> going on between Cam and Violet uh-huh. about the megaton and forming the group, but in the background, yes, you have to really like pay attention to the whole scene. But in the background, you see that. Um, Penelope is getting hassled by the yes. guards. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And at first you see her like... He's coming after her with, with a baton. baton. Uh-huh. And then in the next frame, she's kicking his ass. She has mm-hmm. the baton. Yeah. <laughs> and and all, of, all this is going on in the background while they're having a conversation about the Megatons. Yes. And uh, then... After that, a Violet leaves uh-huh. her side, and she joins she in joins. the fight. Yes. <laughs> you know, I missed that the first time around, and I saw it this time. Yes. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> so she's joining in the fight. Now there's, like, I don't know, like five guards in this fight, uh-huh. and they're kicking ass, and that's when Mako comes and joins Cam running next to her and ch- hatching out her plan with this because she actually designed the ship. Yeah. Uh, was it the ship? The ship that they're going, that the Megaton would be uh, taking place on, yeah. Yeah, so now all of our interests are being perked up. We're like, what is going on? Um, but then um, we see that um, there's a gentleman. His name is, hmm, I don't remember what his name Makoto. is. Makoto. Oh, okay. Makoto. Um, he said, call me Mac. Yeah. So Mac is a gentleman who is asked to design the field for the Megaton, um, and he is asked by the father to go to Bitch Planet. Um, and we don't know why he refuses to go. We're intrigued. And then he's like, I have to talk to my wife. And as they're having the conversation between him and his wife, you're thinking, why is it such a big deal? And then we find out that Makiko? Michael. Michael mm-hmm. is... A Max daughter. You know, it's interesting of uh, the conversation that you're referring to when he says, "I have to go talk to my wife about it." Mm-hmm. The person that he's speaking about right. tells him, "Okay, but maybe don't, um, maybe don't tell the people that are asking you about this that you did that." Inferring that don't ever let the people in charge with power know that you are asking your wife for permission. permission. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like super cool. Yeah. The first I mean, not cool that it happened, but cool that that was kind of like a conversation yeah. they had and they uh-huh. had to have. Yeah. And he's like, do you understand? And he says, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Like it was a, a weird undertone. Um, the first time around when I read it, I didn't get it. I thought um, he meant something else completely. Um, but when he talked to his wife the second time, this third time that I read it, I was like, oh, wow. Like, these are actual normal people marriage. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, how did they allow their daughter to get, because he's obviously a powerful man. Yeah. How the heck did their daughter end up on yeah. this planet? I do know that there is a backstory issue for Michael. Yes. Yeah. Um, I can't wait. Is it the next one? <laughs> I want to say that yes. Okay. But can't I wait. can't remember. I'm so excited. I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of different players here in the book. Um, a, a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that the story could go, especially um, given that these characters all have backstories. They all have um, reasons why they're there. Um, We see even um, in the very beginning, they allude to, or they don't allude, they straight out say that there was one volunteer Mm -hmm. that came. 
that all the women, all the women that were coming to Bitch Planet, there were seven of them, I think mm-hmm. it says, and six of them were criminals or non-compliance, mm-hmm. um, and one volunteered to be there. And they didn't specifically say who, but just in the storyline, you can kind of guess of who it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there's a lot of story to tell. Um, and what, one of the things that I really liked was um, as some of the characters were talking when they were um, chosen to be in the Megaton team, as the, the different frames of women talking, um, you, they had a little like a little a little bar which said their age, their name, yes, and what, and they, what they did uh-huh, to exactly. get and, yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and their weight. But and yeah, yeah. 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 Because that could have been the reason they were on Bitch Planet. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Absolutely. And I thought that was really informative. I mean, it was so subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was part of the story and uh, of what you kind of, um, when you saw what their infraction was, you kind of got a feel of what they said and and uh, connected it with, with what they had done wrong. Yeah. And kind of formed um, a personality for this character. Yes. With, mm-hmm. just, with just one frame per person. Yes. Yeah. That's genius and what you're saying right now forming a personality for this character is so so important not just for bitch planet but for any book and one of the things that um is really um iconic of uh kelly sue deconic is her um her sexy lamp test that she um (laughs) she (laughs) she has coined yeah she's coined um the term sexy lamp test that basically um says that if you can replace a female character in a story with a sexy lamp and it not affect the plot line whatsoever, then your writing sucks. Are yep. you serious? <laughs> mm-hmm. That basically so women cool. are not just accoutrements. Mm-hmm. They are um they mean something. They're individuals. They have characters. They have personalities. And um, they matter in a story. They should matter in a story. And they're not just there to be pretty, to be looked at. Yeah. We make your children. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's all. all Without us, the population would die. (laughs) As we know, it would end. Yep. Well, no, yeah, it would end. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which... Uh, which I find that the sexy lamp test um, is kind of like a, a takeoff of the, um, what's the other one? The, the best, best out test. test. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's right. Can you uh, clarify what that is for our listeners? Well, there, I don't know what they, what the actual uh, uh, the best points are. The best style test is basically that uh, if in a movie, if there's two women... They have to talk, but what it is that they talk about must not include the man. That it must not be about men. Mm, yeah. yeah, must not be about men or the love interest. That is the Bechdel test because uh, prior to that, well, and even still now, they have a lot of movies have women, and that when they interact, um, uh, it's the, they basically they all they talk about is men. And Alice Bechdel. I believe that she was the one who it's named after. Basically, was just a, like that's bullshit. Women don't just talk about men; we right. talk about other things. Yeah. And that um, um, if you don't include that that of women women talking about more than just men, then also you you have You're shitty, right, exactly. <laughs> you have you have, you have <laughs> shitty writing, and you need to improve that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Which is true. I mean, if you actually, um, now that you know what this is, I mean, go ahead and watch a movie and watch the interaction and the conversations that women have in movies. I mean, just just to pick out something random, I mean, Mean Girls. Oh, come on. Oh, God, I love Mean Girls. I mean, I love it. It's a guilty pleasure because it's so <laughs> funny and it's so, it's so quirky and it's... You know, it's good acting and stuff. I mean, um, Amy Adams is in it, right? Amy Adams, or am I wrong on that? It's Tina Fey. And Tina Fey is in it yeah. as well. Um, but, I mean, Tina Fey wrote it, right? Yeah, she yeah. wrote it. Really? Yeah, yeah. and a uh, quick story. They actually, um, uh, Mean Girls was slated to be a rated R movie, but Tina Fey fought for that PG-13 rating because she said that Interesting. she said that this wow. is this is this is what teenage girls talk about yeah uh, this is this is how this is how it is she wanted to depict kind of like a true version of how teenage yeah. life is and uh she uh the only reason that she was able to avoid the rated r um, uh, rating was because that uh, there's a there's a there's a famous scene in there when they talk about a girl eating who made out with a hot dog is referring to a blowjob. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know what? I actually thought it was a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! No, that's what. It, and so that she actually had to change that so that it could avoid that um uh, PG thirteen uh so I mean so it could avoid that rated R um uh, rating. So you know what I'm finding super super funny and not in a ha ha way, but in a I'm so frustrated type of way, is that earlier in this conversation we spoke about Deadpool, where they had to fight for an R rating, yeah. <laughs> um, but everyone wanted it to be PG-13. Mm-hmm. But you stick a group of young, attractive women in a movie and all of a sudden everyone wants it to be an R rating. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. And just yes. because they make references to to sex yeah, basically. Exactly. And it's just like because women are no- good for nothing more than to be the sexual mm-hmm. um the be the source of sexual pleasure for men. They're the sexy lamps. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. I yeah, that's a funny byline. But anyways, uh what were you saying? Uh, no, no. I mean, uh, what I was saying is that just, you know, mean girls, I mean, uh, it's it's teenage girls, but most of the conversations are, uh, you know, this the the main character, she has a crush on this guy, and her main goal is to get with this guy, mm-hmm. um, trampling over the most popular woman in the school. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, you know, just that alone, you know, fails the test. Mm-hmm. And, and so many other movies fail the test because we all... They always have dialogue about women talking about other men mm-hmm. and about other girls uh, regarding mm-hmm. men. And it just, um, yeah, it, um, it's it, there. We have a lot of work ahead of us. Is basically what's going on here. Yeah, and it's just like, and it's just like the fact that some of these movies can't pass such a simple test. Yeah, like come on, we're not we're not asking you to do like freaking. Or like some strong arithmetic here, like calculus. <laughs> it's just like it's it's a simple thing. When two women talk, they don't they talk about more than just men. Yeah. Or give the character some kind of characteristics mm-hmm. that can that can be replaced by that 
can't be replaced by a sexy lamp. Like, come on, it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I certainly when I write men in any stories that I do, I'm just like I'm not, I'm not having them talk about just like I don't know having sex or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's, it's, it's not that hard. Just listen to how women talk, or yeah, see, li- like if you have. If you have a mom, if you have a sister, if you have a daughter, if you have mm-hmm. like, and like, is it, that's such an like an old thing. Like, literally, listen to how they talk. And let me tell you, it's not just about men. They talk about so we talk about so many other things. Which is why I was really um, shocked at um, at uh, uh, Hernandez. Was it Hyman? Yeah, Jaime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jaime Hernandez's um, ability to write female dialogue so well. Oh, yeah, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, yes. he's a mechanic. Like, yes. Uh, yeah. I, and um, I, I was very, very surprised. And um, I, I really appreciate that when I read that in the comic. And when I read comics that I know are written by men, um, when I read the dialogue that they have um, between women, like... Um, uh, what was I reading it? I can't remember, but um, it does exist, and I um, I love it when I see it. And I just like Jen said, I challenge you to um, to to look at those things and to to be aware of them. I'm not asking you to write a letter and, and start a picket line, but just be aware mm-hmm. um, because it it does it does exist, and and women still to this day are whole, are held to different standards. And I have to say that uh, comics is slow. It, it is a medium that is is slowly changing. It's slowly, slowly changing. Change is happening, but it's happening slowly, slowly. And there's a lot of pushback. I know, just like and the fact that it, there's so much pushback, and I'm just like, oh my god, you still have things like tarot and grim fairy tales, like Lady <laughs> Death, Lady Death, death like come. Jungle Fantasy. Oh my Jungle! Do not get me started jungle on Jungle Fantasy. fantasy. That is. Like, you still Horrible. have your comics that are catering to you. Jesus, we we only have, like, a few, like, maybe two or three comics from the 50 that are out there. Like, I'm not saying, you know what, no, not, don't let us have this. I'm taking it, and I'm going <laughs> to, and I'm, and I'm asking for more, because screw that. Yeah. <laughs> nice, I like that. Yeah, so one of the things that Kelly Sue uh, mentions when she uh, talks about um, Bitch Planet and she talks about uh, why she started writing the book um, was not just the, the pushback that she got from people uh, who were fans of Captain Marvel and Ms. Marvel, but um, also just to really answer and be um, cognizant in her writing, um, to be aware of the fact that women is uh, women is women are the largest, uh, fastest growing group of comic readers out there. Mm-hmm. That fifty um, percent, if not more, comic readers and consumers are women now. Mm-hmm. And she um, she attributes that to three different things. The first thing she attributes it to is um, the fact that Image Comics is strong and back on the scene. I guess apparently they took a break. I did not realize um, because I haven't always been a comic mm-hmm. reader. But um, apparently they came back and um, Image Comics is a way for women to, or not just women, but people to get into comics who don't have to have this long, extensive history with reading comics. Yeah. For example, like... Uh, I pick up uh, um, 
a Superman comic. We were talking earlier about Red Sun. I don't have any um, background in reading Superman comics uh, to even know that before I read it that that was like just a completely uh, separate storyline from mm-hmm. all other Superman comics. Um, and I think that intimidates that intimidates a lot of people, period. Yeah. But especially women who, growing up as children, um, were always probably told, because I hear it all the time in the shop, even now, that comics are for boys. Absolutely. It's not, it's not a thing that's for girls. That makes me so mad. Like, so, mm-hmm. and especially because there's that, that thought out there that um, comics are just superheroes, um, which is not true. Uh, but even if it was just superheroes... I freaking like my superhero comics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, thank you. And so, um, so that's the one thing. The image came back onto the scene, and it, um, it was a um, it was a publisher that they could jump onto and not have to have any background. Um, the second thing was the fact that um, Marvel movies and other cinematic movies started to really um, get to to uh, gain popularity and. Um, Women are moviegoers, mm-hmm. um, and we love to go to the movies, and whether or not we go with a, a boyfriend or a husband or just as a group of friends, we enjoy going to uh, to go see a movie. And so mm-hmm. they would go to a movie, they would see a character, they would be interested in the storyline, and they'd be like, hey, I want to check this out. And they would go into a comic shop and ask, hey, you know, I, I think uh, that um, that Loki's cute. You know, let me read a book. Whatever. Yeah. Or, you Girl, know, I got <laughs> all the recommendations. <laughs> I agree with that statement. <laughs> and the third thing um, that Kelly Sue attributed um, uh, popularity of comics with women was um, digital comics. That the yeah. fact that digital comics is so... Um, popular and easily accessible, you literally have a comic store in your pocket because mm-hmm. everybody has a smartphone except for Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin is an employee at, uh, at our shop that has a flip phone, flip phone still. Yeah. Um, he's, a, he's a bit of a technical. <laughs> but, yeah, so, um, so that allowed women who might have felt a little apprehensive of stepping foot into a comic shop the ability to have access to all the comics. Mm-hmm. that they wanted to and so they they started reading and they became fans and that is um uh, those are the three things that Kelly Sue attributes to the rise in popularity of comics with women and mm-hmm. so her point is just that we're reading comics people we're reading comics and just like uh, Jen says we're reading comics and we demand that you start writing stories that respect us in the comics not mm-hmm. just the storylines that you're writing about but the way that you're drawing us and the way that you are treating us in your comics and the way that that other fans are treating us in in mm-hmm. the uh, the discussion chat rooms. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just um, it's really like I said, a slow changing um, uh, medium. Uh, and uh, but I definitely do everything that I can on a daily basis to um, be an ally and advocate of that change. Mm-hmm. I you. absolutely agree. Um, with the comicsology, the digital comics. I mean. 
most of the time I can hide the comic book purchases from my husband (laughs) (laughs) in digital form and he doesn't know how much he spent Um, and not only that I mean I was waiting in line to uh, for a a monkish beer release and I was able to pull out my iPad and Uh start reading Mm -hmm. I mean that's so wonderful because you can just pull it out at any point you could be waiting in any line and just pull out a whole library of books Um, I also agree Um, There's a lot of changes in how they write women Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and women characters and their interaction with other people or maybe their scarred past and how they've overcome it. I mean, I really love those stories. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, people, step it up, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we definitely have our allies out there. Um, There are more writers than just Kelly Sue. Um, There's... Other female writers, but I also think just as importantly, if not even more so, are the male uh, allies that we have out there that are in the comic book industry that have, um, and I'm sorry to say it's the truth, they have the the juice behind them to be able to stand up and say, mm-hmm. this is important because, unfortunately, people still listen more to uh, to men than they do to women. Yeah. But there, uh, in other notes, I mean, there are, there are comic book um, based stories that are out there that are not only Marvel or DC. I yeah. mean, there's uh, shows like Constantine and well, that was canceled. But, um, <laughs> I, I got my issues with Constantine. <laughs> <laughs> we can get into it. We'll, we'll, we'll dive into that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, there's I Zombie, uh-huh. a strong uh, female lead. Um, um, there's all sorts of things. I preacher. Mean, preacher, of course. I, which, was that uh, an, uh, you disagreeing with the preacher? <laughs> oh, no. I love Preacher. Preacher is great. Like, I literally swallowed wrong. I was just like, I wanted to, I wanted to say something. I want to say, like, I love Preacher, but then I was just, I almost killed myself. I mean, things like American Splendor and Ghost, uh, Ghost World. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot mm-hmm. of movies out there that are based on comic book characters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, um, there's a lot of um, exposure out there, but we need a little bit more on not the until I characters. Not yeah. until I started working at the comic shop did I realize how many movies and TV shows were based on comic books mm-hmm. that, um, that I had no idea. I mean, to this day, there are people that walk into the comic shop and are... Um, amazed and shocked that Walking Dead was a comic book first. <laughs> yeah. And for many, many years, it was a comic book first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think a lot of people are enjoying the storytelling without really even realizing what uh, what the source material is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let me tell you, the source material is always a lot better. Yes. Oh, <laughs> that goes without saying, and for those who don't know, I'm... Sorry for you guys, because you should know this by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was our review. Um, any closing remarks about Bitch Planet? Read Bitch Planet. Yes, <laughs> read it. Absolutely. It's amazing. Read Bitch Planet. And uh, uh, I give it the whole damn panadaria. Bitch Planet is is uh is is a full indulgent. It's like seis conchas and all the milk and temperado <laughs> available. I agree with the ladies. I mean, mm-hmm. and like I said, you can read this three times, which I have, and uh, still find new uh, new key elements in the story that you might have missed in the first two times. So, um, and I would highly recommend reading the essays between issues because those are really informative even if you don't agree with 
what they stand for, they're very educational. So I'm going to give this the whole panaderia. <laughs> <laughs> and just um, a side note, the only way that you can get those essays is in the single issues. Um, so definitely if you are a trade paperback um, buyer, it's an image paperback. Uh, and um, if you don't know, all image number uh, one trade paperbacks are, are just nine ninety nine. So that's an awesome price to be able to jump on to uh, any title, um, but for sure, Bitch Planet. Um, but you're not going to get those essays that are in the back of the single issues. Um, it was just too much uh, extra to include them, uh, and they wanted to be able to print the book at a reasonable price, at the $9.99 price, um, and adding all that back matter was just going to make it too expensive of a book, so they decided not to. Um, and I... There was some talk maybe at one time that they would publish them, but right now um, it looks like they are just going to offer them as like a special something for people who buy singles. Uh, or I think what might happen, because uh, they did with the Southern Bastards too, is that they'll wait for the second volume, release a hardcover version oh, yes. that will include them. Yes. But if anything, uh, the towards the end of Bitch Planet, it does include a discussion. It does. It does yes. include like a discussion guide, like questions mm-hmm. that if you want to do in the book club or just like maybe you, like you're an educator or, so, or anything that you can use as a discussion piece. Yes. And, which I think is really awesome. I think that probably this book is used in many women's studies uh, classes around uh, the world. It should be. <laughs> and just yep. a, a, and another note, I actually bought this in digital form to begin with, and I did get the essays in okay. the digital form. Yeah. But then I wanted to uh, experience the splash pages on a different level, so I actually went out and got the trade paperback. So mm-hmm. um, that's how much this book was an impact in my life. So um, if you want the essays, you can go digital, but I do highly recommend getting the trade paperback just because you can get the splash pages and the full image of them. Um, And then as uh, Kristen was saying, the individual issues are pretty much the way to go, guys. Yeah, and we didn't touch a lot on it, but definitely the art is beautiful and the colors... Mm -hmm. The colorist it just does an amazing job. It, it's just really the dream team of creators on this book. Absolutely, I agree. And I really like the little letters to the readers because they involve you in their creative, um, their creative kind of energy. So I, I really, I really enjoy that because I feel like I'm part of their, I don't know, their team. It's, <laughs> it's really cool. It's 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 uh, an intimate look see that that brings you in as a fan of this book yeah i really like that and i really appreciate that from this writer Mm -hmm. yeah not only that uh what i really like about the artwork in this is the cover pages they they are made in a style that is very reminiscent of wrestling uh wrestling ads and in in a few of them they can even be seen as kind of like uh uh an adaptation of all the old 50s mm-hmm. like magazine covers mm-hmm. and how how they're stylized and just kind of like really turning that into something else mm-hmm. so some of them are very reminiscent of uh old wrestling uh of, um posters and stuff like that and some of them are look like uh, the old 50s magazine covers but like in a very different view it's definitely something that you have to see (laughs) yeah absolutely pick it up flip through it buy it do (laughs) it yes (laughs) well we all agree that that book was absolutely excellent so guys what is on the radar 
Well, uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier, if you want something a bit more real life that is reminiscent of this, I do recommend Memoirs of a Woman's Prison by Nawal El Sadawi. Uh, but also, uh, this is just like a, a side note, uh, I'm currently reading an actual <gasps> prose book, like <laughs> words, you guys, no pictures. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's just, um, um, it's... It's called uh, His Majesty's Dragon, written by Naomi Novik, who is a woman, um, uh, and it's really good. And I'm not just saying this because it has dragons in it, and like, <laughs> I really love dragons. So uh, that's my on the radar right now. If you want something related to this book, uh, I do recommend Memoirs of a Woman's Prison. Uh, again, uh, an actual word uh, uh, book. And if you want something a bit more fun, a bit more fantasy, His Majesty's Dragon by Naomi Novik. Excellent. Cool. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, on, on the radar for me is uh, For the Love of Spock. It just came out on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited. I was so excited. I know she has her Spock t-shirt. I, have, <laughs> I, was, like, I, I was like, I knew yes. this would hit. Home. Yes. Uh, it, it has... Um, uh, Mirror, mirror on it, and Spock and the evil Spock facing each other. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> nice one. Um, but, yes, I'm very excited to see this. I actually was going to watch it before we recorded, but my TV died. Um, oh, that Which was... I, I can't get over it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just saw tears. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Um, it was actually directed by Adam Nimoy, which is the son oh, of uh, Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, mm-hmm. Leonard Nimoy. Um, it, it, was, it started out as a Kickstarter campaign in June of 2015 to collect 600000 <laughs> I'm not good with math, but yes, I think it was $600,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and the backers pledged $662, uh, whatever, more than what they wanted. <laughs> yeah. and then we have, um it has a hundred percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So oh, guys, wow. I am super excited. I actually um, was talking to my brother who did watch it this weekend, mm-hmm. and he was saying how it actually started off as kind of a tribute to Spock, mm-hmm. and uh, like I think it was what um, eighty or fifty years of Star Trek, but it uh-huh. turned oh, into yeah. it actually yeah. turned into kind of a um, a memoir, a memoir, a kind of a love documentary yeah. to, to his dad because he actually yeah. died mm-hmm. before he finished the documentary. And mm-hmm. originally, they were going to have um, Siler or who's oh Bob yeah, now, uh-huh. uh, narrate the movie, but because there was so many stories. Uh, mm-hmm. re- revolving around him that they actually didn't need a narrator for this movie. So I'm really excited. Oh, wow. About yeah. So you guys, it's it's on Netflix. It just it just popped up on the feed. So I recommend you watch it. I am very excited. I can't wait to watch it. I mean, Leonard Nimoy, dude, he sang these weird songs. <laughs> <laughs> and he wore the Spock ears. And mm-hmm. it was just, I mean, he was so engrossed in this character. I mean, I can't wait it's to amazing. learn more. Yeah, and it's just... A lot of people don't know this, but Leonard Nimoy was more than just an actor. He was a poet. He was mm-hmm. a musician. He was, he he was in all essence a creator. He was the Renaissance man, and which is really which is really funny because he played Spock, right. who was the opposite of that. He was yeah. a science dude. So, uh, this movie will make you cry. I'm just like <laughs> you're gonna cry. I cried. I need a, I need a new. I need a. Good oh, did cry. you see it already? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that's 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 um, 
that's on the radar for me, guys. Okay, so on the radar for me is a recommendation that I cannot recommend highly enough to you. Um, it is a comic book, and it's called Champions. It's a Marvel. Yeah. It's a Marvel book. And um, we are only on number three, but um, the awesome thing about this book, okay, there's so many. Um, it's written by Mark Wade, and um, the illustrator is Umberto Ramos, Ramos, Mexican artist. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe we can, uh, when the first trade paperback comes out, we can uh, uh, do this book, uh, do our... Uh, I'm down for our it. weekly. I'm so down. Yeah, I'm, I'm down so for it so just so I can talk about the cover of issue number two because I love that cover. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, the Champions book it, it happens post Civil War two, and it reunites. Um, uh, not reunites. It is basically after spoiler alert. Um, fast forward past this. It um, it reunites the three of. Avengers who leave the Avengers because they're just so disillusioned with what happened during Civil War. So that's Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan, mm-hmm. um, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and Nova, um, Sam Alexander. And so they basically are um, wanting to form their own group to be what they thought the Avengers was going to be, or at least what they wanted it to be in their heart. Um, and um, they put the call out there to other heroes and thinking that no one's going to want to join them, but they actually have um, some partners uh, in some uh, some very surprising people. So some of the other characters that um, come to want to be part of Champions is um, Hulk, um, Amadeus Cho, the new um, Totally Awesome Hulk, which if you're not reading Totally Awesome Hulk, also um, give it a read. It's I love it. I love him as a character. He's super funny, and he's totally a different Hulk than Bruce Banner um, uh, as far as like what, how he deals with hulking out. Um, so um, also, let's see, who else? Viv Vision, so who is the, um, the young uh, android daughter of Vision, um, which there's, if you're not reading Tom King's Vision, um, I cannot <laughs> recommend it enough. Tom King is amazing. Uh, yeah, it, I'm all for it. It just finished. Uh, mm-hmm. It was amazing. Uh, I think it's what three trades? It's two trades so far. I don't know yeah. if a third one's gonna. I guess I the third one yeah, has third to come one out. Is come out. But um, Tom King is amazing. I love him as a writer. He um, just he writes the heck out of anything that he's writing. He's also the um, writer on Sheriff of Babylon. He's writing Detective. Um, no, he's. Oh, Batman, the Batman. current Batman yeah. comics, and he wrote Omega Man, which is yes. currently a New York Times bestseller. Yes. Wow. Uh, and then Jen's favorite uh, character, who is part of Champions, uh, is uh, Cyclops, a young Scott <laughs> <Hot> Summers, <laughs> which very interesting uh, about uh, Cyclops. He has never been part of a group in the Marvel Universe that was not an X-Men group. This is the first time that he'll be um, part of a group that has nothing to do with the X-Men. Wow. So this this Scott Summers is, um, it should be noted, um, is a very young Scott Summers. Um, It's not the Scott Summers who, um, for the most part, 
uh, in Marvel Universe right now we know um, to be or we believe to be dead. Um, and af- Spoiler alert. After, <laughs> after him um, kind of being a not-so-nice guy. Uh, hashtag Emma Frost deserves better. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... So this is a uh, this is a team of completely completely made up of uh, teenagers, which I love. I love the idea that um, it is like this new fresh take on um, on superheroes, and mm-hmm. the the fact that they are coming together because they're so disillusioned with the adults in their life, basically. Um, it's kind of amazing because I think as teen- everybody who's been a teenager realizes or has had that like come to Jesus moment where they re- where they <laughs> where they realize that adults in their lives do not know everything mm-hmm. that they I remember the exact moment when I was like wow my mom like she's she's not the end all be all of ev- knowing everything in the world like yeah. mm-hmm. she she's I mean, now I know she's just human, but I mean, when you grow up, adults, teachers, your parents, your grandparents, whatever, they're like, oh my gosh, you look up to them. And um, also, if you're not reading um, Ms. Marvel... Um, uh, get on that quick. Yeah. Because, uh, yes. It's amazing. And um, the storyline between her and um, uh, Carol Danvers um, is just heart-wrenching. It is absolutely amazing, and it will make you cry. Yes, I had tears. Um, but um, a little bit of what I'm saying is like, uh, like the uh, the rose-colored glasses come off for Kamala um, when it comes to her um, her hero, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of um, uh, Mark Wade was actually uh, quoted as saying that uh, here with the champions, their primary job is not to punch criminals, but rather to deal with common people problems in ways that the bigger superhero groups aren't built to. And mm-hmm. so what you're really going to be seeing and what, you, what we've already been seeing in this book um, with the three issues is that it's the concept of these teams um, coming together to make a difference um, in the world. That it, This book is really cultivating the idea um, of uh, youth activism. And I love that, Mm -hmm. Uh, and especially with everything that's going on in the world right now and what we're seeing with um, lots of young uh, Mm -hmm. kids and teenagers now, like, standing up and and basically saying, you know, we have voices and we want to be heard. Mm -hmm. And so that's really where I see um, this Champions book going. And Mark Wade is a really awesome writer, and Umberto, uh, his uh, art is really cool. In fact... Um, little side note, Mark Wade came into Heidi Ho Comics uh, last week. I saw him. And that. he came up to the counter and he said, you don't happen to be Kristen, do you? And oh I didn't I didn't God. recognize oh I mean, I God. did recognize him. I'm like, I know this guy. But oh. I didn't know where. I just thought he was a... a the connection was amazing. I thought he was just uh, a regular that I recognized. I said, yes, I am. And he said, oh, well, um, awesome pick of the week. Because Champions number three was my pick of the week. I said, oh, thank you. I love that book. He's all, yeah, it's mine. Oh. And I'm like, 
I, I still didn't make the connection. And I'm looking at him like, what? And he's like, hi, I'm Mike, Mark Wade. And he, he put out his no, hand to, no. to shake. And so I actually have a picture with him. I'll post it on um, Instagram. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I'm so jealous. Wow. Oh, but the reason he looked yeah. familiar oh is I had met him at Emerald City. And we, we spent a long time talking because at the time he had just released Strange Fruit number one i love strange and so yeah so i um i was talking to him about that and uh, uh we had just at the time to purchase heidi ho uh, we were only in it for a couple of months and he owns a shop uh i'm uh, somewhere out west i mean uh, um Ohio? Midwest, somewhere somewhere um there. somewhere in the flyby country or <laughs> fly country. sorry yeah so um, I, I had to <laughs> so uh, so that's why he looked familiar. And so he's so super nice, and he uh, didn't flinch when we asked him to take a picture, and he was just so, like, appreciative of the fact that I told him that I recommend the heck out of that book. Oh. Um, so, and I'm recommending the heck out of it here to you guys tonight. Um, definitely check out uh, Champions. It's really good. It's uh, a very fun um, it's a teen, uh, it's a group of teen superheroes and all that it, it comp- encompasses being a teen and being a superhero. I love it. That is, <clears throat> wow. You just closed the show. <laughs> <laughs> Dropped the mic. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my God. That's so awesome. I can't believe he, that, because I saw the picture, but I didn't know the whole backstory about the Mark Waite story, but man, that's yeah. Hearing it for the first time here, oh my God, sounds amazing. Sounds totally <laughs> amazing. Um, well, great on the radar, guys. Um, do you guys have any shout outs? Well, definitely check out uh, Instagram, uh, Comadresy Comics. I'll be posting that picture of myself with Mark Wade, and I'm also going to post a picture of Jen's uh, uh, Spock shirt so <laughs> you can see it in all her glory. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, shout out to Beyonce because she's the one who sang the opening music to this <laughs> called Run the World. Um, that I just had to. I love Beyonce. She's amazing. <laughs> and we do run the world. Uh-huh. We make your children. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd like to shout out um, all you guys. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you for bringing the cookies. Thank you for drinking with me. Thank you absolutely for talking comics with me because sometimes I just need that comic book outlet, you know? (laughs) That I can't get everywhere. I know my brother, he's also a geek, but sometimes he goes off on a different tangent. So I like that we can center this on, like, women power and Latinos and and you guys are really in the know about, like, the current things out there that I can dig into. So thanks a lot for that. My pleasure. (laughs) It's a pleasure, honestly. Well, thanks, guys. This has been our fourth episode, and we are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jennifer. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.